It's August 5th, 2016, and you're listening to the Architecture Happy Hour. I'm Laura. And I'm Larry. And it's a two-drink minimum, so grab your glass and let's get started. Welcome everyone to, we're actually broadcasting from, well, I guess as passing as my office. (laughs) (laughs) It's where Larry's camping right now. Yeah, where Larry's camping right now. It's quite nice. I always call it squatting. Larry's just squatting. (laughs) Yeah, that's the conference room that that my friend Steve said, no, no, just come up and use our conference room. It'll be fine. So I have taken it over because they never used it except for lunch. Right, and it's so, a little bit better than being at home with James oh, and the dogs. Oh, very much better than being at home with James and the dog. Yeah, <laughs> dogs I, is plural. Yeah, I don't have my own office at home, and I do my best at the kitchen table or oh, yeah. at my little desk that I've had since college. You know, yeah. but still, it's not nearly as nice as being in an office. Yeah, well, there's something weird with James too because you know he's on conference calls, and so I'm sitting there trying to to click the mouse as softly as possible so there's not too much <laughs> noise. You know. He can uh, just say, oh, no, I'm sorry, that's my assistant in the background. <laughs> right? I think it's usually how it passes off the dogs. I don't know. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> so we're in Larry's digs right now. And uh, so if it sounds a little different, that's, that's, probably that's what it is. why. Yeah. Uh, this is much hard surface here as, as of, at HPD, but um, we were in a bigger space. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we don't have our fluffy fleece. Lined so, you know, table I almost, cover. I almost so. told you, please, please bring the fleece so we can you know, have a little soft cushiony. But I'm like, that might seem a little weird. <laughs> anyway, it's only a thousand degrees outside, and that would be totally comfortable climbing. At, you know, <laughs> out of the car parking garage, it. and yeah, exactly, yeah, with, with a bunch of fleece. Yeah, with a hot bundle of fleece. Oh yeah, it'll be very nice. Be very perfect. Nice. <laughs> uh, well, we had a special treat this last week. We did. Yay! We had an email from a listener, uh, Andrew in Ireland, and Laura's had much more conversation with him than I have, but it was like, oh my gosh, someone emailed us, yay! I know, I feel like we have a new pen pal, because it's been really fun to hear from somebody who's doing things on the other side of the world, But and what we've actually found is that it's more similar than we probably expected. Oh yeah, yeah, well including, I, I had emailed him yesterday just to, to get a clarification about something, he said... Well, it's about 10 o'clock here, and I've got to sit down and do some stuff for a meeting tomorrow. I'm like, oh, it's just like here. Yeah, 10 o'clock at night? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess, it, uh, well, yeah, I mean, we do the same thing. Or we, we you know, it's the yeah. kids The kids go to bed. It's quiet in the house. You can actually, you know, do a little work and get something done kind of thing. Yeah, so. I didn't get to sit down at the computer until about 11 o'clock last night. Yeah. And was yeah. there for a couple hours, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just part of the part of the territory, right? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. But the other interesting thing to hear from them too is that, you know, not just that you know things are the same, so to speak, but that you know, we put out that question is how busy is everyone else? Because we know how busy we are, but you know we don't know how busy people are, you know, in New York or on the other side of the pond, that kind of thing. And he said they are. Uh, what's the phrase? Um, what is it? He said they're. We we wrote it down so we wouldn't forget it. Now I can't find it. Oh, flat out and mad busy. Yeah, flat out and mad busy. I'm like, okay, well that sounds about right. Do you want, <laughs> I, to, do you want to say that part again? No, no, I'm fine. Oh, all right. You know, and, and he said that they could always use an extra person. I'm like, well, that sounds about right. 
Yeah, that's yeah. We're kind of very glad to be busy. No, um, but yeah, just adjusting. And so. so, and what was fun is that he and his, he's with a company. I think they said they had about 10 people. Did I read that right? Uh, I don't remember. But what was interesting is that he does very similar work to what we do. He works mm-hmm. on single family homes and um, some preservation work, which I thought was really interesting. And he even shared that they had done some work with um, the bird watching yeah. organization. I'm not going to get that right, but it had something to do with the... Uh, like making bird houses? What are they? Yeah, no, it was a bird watching group and they actually created these bird watching pavilions or okay. courts, okay. you know, areas where people could go and but they fashioned them after the Victorian um bird houses and you know, I thought that was kind of fun. I'd love to see photos. Yeah. I'm probably butchering that horribly, Andrew. I'm sorry, <laughs> but that's I'm trying to remember back to what you said in your email. But I just thought that was fascinating, so that's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but that the fact that he um, he listens to us on his forty five minute commute, yes, into his office, and, and he doesn't fall asleep. He doesn't fall asleep. Thank goodness. Uh, drive safely, Andrew. We hope you're doing well. Uh, but yeah, and so we thought we need to check our uh, geography because we're not actually even sure how wide Ireland is. Yeah. And wouldn't you be in the water at that point if you're driving 45 minutes? Well, that, that was James's thing. He's like, well, that's how, like going all the way across the country, isn't it? And I'm yeah. like, okay, it's bigger than Rhode Island. <laughs> it's not the island of Hawaii. It's yeah. slightly larger. Slightly larger. Right. But, uh, but yeah, he, he did say that it was, I think, you know, a few hours to go from end to end kind of thing. Oh, okay. like, I'm like, okay, it's 10 hours to leave Dallas and get down to Brownsville and into Mexico. Yeah, and we're not even at the top edge of, of, of Texas. Texas yeah. There's a couple more hours to go before you even get out of Texas on the north side. So, yeah, so. slightly different perspective. Slightly different. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. so we're well, glad, glad he's listening. Glad uh, he's not falling asleep and driving into the guardrail. <laughs> You know, just picturing, well, when I was telling Laura, so when we first, you know, what, like six years ago, seven years ago, when we were first listening to the podcast to figure out, okay, what do architecture podcasts sound like? And we're like, oh my gosh, this is so sleep inducing. And I thought, yeah, that's not the thing to be listening to in the car. No, no. <laughs> or when you're trying to get work done late at night and you're trying to stay awake. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can see some of the treadmills are jogging along all of a sudden pass out. <laughs> Sir, are you okay? Yes, yes, I was architecture just listening podcast. to an architecture podcast. Oh, okay. Well, Andrew actually had two questions for us, um, two things he thought would be interesting for us to talk about, one of which was education. But, yeah, our educations are probably basically the same. Um, he said seven years. We typically six plus three years of internship plus exams. So I don't think we're, we're that far off, really education-wise. But the other thing you really wanted to know about was, you know, what's our process for doing what he calls a one-off dwelling, which yes. for us would be really a custom home. Yes. From start to finish. And so we thought we'd talk about that a little bit because the processes are probably fairly similar. I would think so, yeah. Yeah, but there are, I'm sure, you know, and, and of course, the interesting thing too is you know, we can talk about Dallas-specific because we know full well that how we handle things here. You got to California and it's a totally different story. Or you go up into New York and it's a totally different sure. story. So we can speak very specific to here and you know how ours would relate to that. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, I'm gonna guess pretty much a similar process. Yeah, well so what we have discovered, I guess, or had more experience with in the last few years has been 
that we, as, as I like to say, Larry and I kind of grew up into the industry with more of a traditional approach, which is typically a design, and then you send the drawings out to bid, and then you get the contractor and they build it. So design, bid, build is kind of how we mm -hmm. refer to it. And what we found a lot more of is that there is a growing area of design, build, so that there's more of a continuous process of working with the contractor earlier on in the process of design, and then the designer stays involved with the process more into construction. Mm -hmm. So um, so that it's more of a cohesive um, process and not like three separate stages. Right. Well, you, you don't get to the bidding part and you're surprised because of crap, it costs that much. Yeah. You, know, you, you have an idea ahead of time that, you know, because you're working with the contractor that these yeah. things are going to be... Now this is where, okay. Here's what we're looking at for budget. Okay, where do we pull back, or where do we change, right. or you know, how do we do the same thing before less? Kind yeah, of thing. so the design decisions are much more informed mm -hmm. with reality and real right. costs. And Forty-five dollars a square foot tile, sure, not a problem. Absolutely, yeah. Well, whatever you want, we'll put it in there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so we're we are still doing a little bit of both. But typically, we try to get that contractor involved as soon as possible um, yeah. if the client is open to that and going that route. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, our clients, we work really hard to get our name out so that the clients find us first as the architects versus thinking, oh, I need to build a house. I'll go to a builder. Right. We have a lot of people that do that. And then they go to the builder. And if it's a good builder, they'll say, well, you know, you really need a set of plans. You probably should call an architect. So we like those kind of contractors. <laughs> we a like lot. you very, very much. They're our friends. Yes. And we like to send them cookies and things like that. But, <laughs> but so if they do come to us first, um, you know, then we start the design process. And I imagine that's very similar about mm -hmm. the, there's a discovery phase about where we're talking about, you know, what do you want and how do you live and how mm -hmm. do we make that better? And, you know, is what? Is this your first home? Is this your last home? Is this, you yeah. know? Yeah. Who's in your family? Who's right. going to live here? You know, what really just bugs the crap out of you in your current home that maybe we can fix in the mm -hmm. new home? And just all of those questions, it's, it's not like... You know, sometimes we'll start with a little questionnaire just to kind of break the ice and get them mm -hmm. thinking about things. But oftentimes then we'll ask them to go to House or Pinterest or, you know, they may already be on those sites. Mm -hmm. But to start collecting images about what gets them excited in their new home yeah. and well, especially, kitchens and bathrooms. Especially and if they have stuff. an idea of, you know, like, oh, I really like this style. Okay, well, what does right. that style mean to you? What's What's... In your head, what is that? Exactly. Because not necessarily the same thing in my head. Yes, exactly. So let's get. Well, we have a um, have a client right now who is from New Orleans, loves New Orleans, loves that feel. But I'm like, okay, is it French Quarter New Orleans? Is it Garden District New Orleans? Is it the you know Marigny? Is it? I mean, so I'm very specific with her on your on your house. Pull the things that you feel. Yeah. Are that that style that New Orleans style, and so that we can get a sense of what you're really talking about because. You know, I when we go, we go to the French Quarter all the time. So in mm -hmm. my head, that's to me, New Orleans. Yeah. Do you want a balcony with an iron railing and lots of little details like that, or do you want to stick your house up on stilts? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, what kind of modifications do we yeah, need to make to yeah. to make that feel like New Orleans to you? Yeah. Well, I've seen houses in the Garden District that are very contemporary mm -hmm. with just a little bit of that, you know, flair. The New Orleans flair yeah. to it, but still very contemporary, which is, you know, to me, it's like, okay, well, that's not really New Orleans. Well, New Orleans is so special because it has so many different cultural influences with the mm -hmm. French and the 
Creole and the, you know, I'm sure there were American Indians down in that area and just yeah. lots of different, it was probably Spanish at some point. The Spanish, French. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. There's all sorts of stuff going on there. So, yeah, it's it's definitely interpretation. Right. So, um, yeah, so we ask a ton of questions. And I think that's probably the part I enjoy the most is really getting to know, you know, we've talked about this before, finding out the why you know, why are they asking for that in their design? Is it just because their friend has it or they saw it on HGTV? Or is it because it's going to make their life better and simplify their morning routine or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the case may be that, you know, let's figure out what we want to accomplish and then I can help you decide how to accomplish that. Yeah. Not just you need white cabinets and a giant island in your kitchen. Like, let's talk about why. <laughs> what does that mean to you? And Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I maybe Andrew can email us back after he hears this and let us know if that's similar. Yeah, well, I think for most architects to be a very similar process. But one of the things that I thought was interesting, he listed almost immediately was statutory approvals. Oh, because you know, for us, it's not you know we have to follow code, obviously as we're designing right. international building code. Yeah, right. Um, we also you know depending on where we are in the city. Sometimes it's a planned development district, which has its own sort of rules and regulations, or it's a conservation district, or it's a historic district, and all those things have different rules to follow. Right. Um, Everything down to the materials you can use on the outside of the building. What the windows the, look yeah, like. What the windows yeah, are. yeah. I mean, what color are you going to paint the front door? Guess what? It's got to get approved. Right. Can yeah. even be max uh, height of the building, or mm-hmm. roof slopes, or. Uh, how many stories you can have some there are certain ones I just worked in a year or two ago that you could only have one and a half yeah, stories, stories yeah. which made it kind of tricky because you had even if you wanted to do a second story addition you still had to keep the roof low enough so that it only looked like a half story and then you popped dormers out everywhere to make it right. feel like that attic that had been converted to a, a second yeah. floor bedroom or whatever so, yeah, it can be very, very tricky. And if you miss something, it can be very costly because mm-hmm. then you have to go back and it delays the project. And then the client's not happy because you yeah. should have caught that. And well, and you want to grab the, the guy doing the review and go, why didn't you tell me this to start with? <laughs> A little heads up. A little heads up. Nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but statutory approval, I mean, you know, drawings aren't you know, really approved by the city until they're ready to go to permit. But... Until that time happens, we have to figure in all these other things and make sure that we're following all the rules and regulations. You know, the, even even um, even standard zoning. You know, so if you're in a residential district, there's you know, a, um, like an R one half. There's an R one. I think there's a three and a seven point five and a fifteen and a. So you have even even depending on how big your lot size is, it's going to change what your regulations are and what has to be done for approval. So. You know, we're getting into all that stuff, and I would think, I, I don't know, I don't know if, you know, because I always think, okay, Europe, you know, I mean, Ireland is so old, you know, and this is what I think about, like, building in, in London. How would you ever build in London? Because, you know, what are you building on? What do you, you know, they've been around forever. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what sort of regulations are you following or... You know, um, yeah, because so many of the neighborhoods we deal with were planned out. So mm-hmm. you know, each lot was was drawn. A lot of them are just rectangles, which makes mm-hmm. it really easy. And then they were platted, and you know, to, you know, the city had and the county had records of it, and it was all organized. And then people went and built houses on these. And that's not necessarily the case when you're dealing with a very historic 
neighborhood or city, uh, you know, or country. Like yeah. Ireland is, I'm sure, I mean, I looked on Andrew's Instagram and he had plenty of modern buildings mm-hmm. um, shown, some really cool ones actually. But, but yeah, I'm sure there's still so much, hundreds and hundreds of year old, you know, structures there that yeah are different. Yeah, I think, you know, most of Dallas, you think of the neighborhoods were built, you know, I think somewhere starting in the 20s. You know, and then moving forward, it seems like. So, um, you know, those neighborhoods are approached differently. Um, some Sometimes they're approached by we scrape them off the lot and we turn it into a commercial district. Uh, right. You know. Yeah. Sometimes but, things uh, change. Sometimes things change. But, um, yeah, statutory approval really is, is that last thing that has to happen. And we just make sure we have all of our ducks in a row. Yeah. So we'll do pretty early on a code review where we do go down and... and not necessarily go down to the city offices, but do all our due diligence up in front to figure mm-hmm. out, okay, here's the property, here's the setbacks, yeah. here, you know, what are the rules we have to follow? And so yeah. we'll document all that first, and maybe that's what he's referring to, but we don't go down and get anybody to, to review it or cover it, you know, give yeah. us the stamp of approval until the drawings are done. Right, right. Well, and, and the other question was, you know, difficulty working with the municipality itself, you know, with, with the city and I'll you know for us that changes depending on the city and depending on yeah. the reviewer and depending on what time of day it is and do they have a burrito <laughs> for lunch and their stomach is upset I mean yep a thousand different factors <laughs> playing into it and and talking with friends in San Francisco who this poor architect had spent three months trying to get a permit I don't know why she was having to get the permit I was like no the contract can deal with that but she had been three months trying to get the permit for some project she was doing oh because they kept asking for different things and you need to do this and you need to do that. So really the difficulty of the municipality is is depending on where you live, really. Yeah, um, some cities are real easy to work with and others are just, it's yeah. we almost have to add more to our fee just, just to, to cover our time that is going to be used dealing with that. Yeah. Even places like down in Austin, Austin, Texas, is they have a ton of um, green environmental additional restrictions mm-hmm. to their building down there, and it is a nightmare. They're actually permit consultants, and that's all they do is take sets of plans and walk them through the permit process at the city. Yeah. Because you have to know so many people and all of the rules and what to do and what not to do, and it's very tricky. So Well, well we've had to do that here in Dallas on a couple of projects, actually get someone who used to work for the city involved in it so that he could know you know i'll pick it up when it's ready i'll go pick it up and i'll take it to the next person and we'll get it right you know walk it through the through the process otherwise you're sitting there for weeks on end so yeah it just depends on the municipality and i'm working on a project right now in one of the smaller towns um this like well it's just <laughs> it's in the middle of dallas it's uh highland park and i mean it was so simple just to walk into the building inspection area, and she's like, well, what can I help you with? I'm like, can you help me figure out what's going on with this lot? Well, I don't know if we have that. Hold on. Let's go check. <laughs> and it was just... She was more like a librarian. Yeah. Very helpful. I yeah. mean, I waited five minutes. You know, you get out of the city of Dallas now, and, and I bumped into a contractor I knew there. He had gotten there at 8 o'clock when they opened, which is what you have to do. It was 9.15, I was dropping something off, just dropping something off, thank goodness. He waited another hour and a half before he got to talk to somebody. Oh my gosh, he was in line that long? Yeah. Oh, good grief. Yeah, and I mean, the, and the waiting room was full. Yeah, I mean, on the flip side, I hope that's a good sign that, that 
I mean, well, of course we yeah. know. Yeah, everybody's busy and building is up and economy is, you know, doing better. And so that's a good sign. But still, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of irritating to mm-hmm. not be able to get done what you need to get done. Yeah. yeah. Well, the other challenge for us, too, is, you know, if we're working on a project where we've got to have a structural engineer or a mechanical consultant now, you know, they're as busy as we are. True. And so, you know, sometimes it's trying to get drawings out of other people to complement what you're already doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've, we've run in a couple of things where it was just, I, it took me, actually, I never saw the proposal. I started trying to get a proposal from an engineer, a mechanical engineer, um, for a project that I was leaving behind at, at HPD probably six weeks before I left. And I left and we still didn't have the proposal. Oh my goodness. I mean, it was just, these guys were doing everything they could to just drag this thing out before I, I mean, I'm like, guys, you've had all this time. What are you doing? And <laughs> well, I've got this question, that question. I'm like, okay, connected them to the, you know, the property owner and the property owner told them everything they needed to know. Well, it may be more feasible if we do. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> just get me the proposal. And um, that was just to get a proposal. Yeah. I wasn't even actually, not even to do the work. No work. Okay. Just the proposal. And I laughed and I said to Holly, I'm like, they're working on it. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. And I think I uh, talked to her a couple of weeks ago. She goes, yeah, they, they finally sent the proposal through because we decided we would do a feasibility study because they're like, well, it could cost, you know, our fee could be this much if it's this, if we have to follow these regulations or it's this much if we really have to follow these regulations and considerable cost difference. Yeah. So can we do a feasibility study, make sure we got all of our, again, regulatory right. stuff checked? And um, then it took them two weeks to produce that. I'm like, oh my God, what's wow. wrong with you? So uh, so you get to, get to be challenging. And, and for the residential, if we're doing a house, usually our only consultants are really structural engineers. We have done projects big enough that have required a mechanical engineer just because, the you know, Systems got to be so complicated. Yeah, or sometimes we'll use a lighting designer mm-hmm. or a landscape designer. Yeah, things like that. So along those lines, but yeah, we uh, um, um, there was one project at HPD that we did. I know we had to have a mechanical because we went from a, a four stair system to a uh, we ended up doing a chiller and a boiler, and you know piping and air handling units instead of actual. I mean, it was yeah, like a commercial level yeah, commercial system. level system, um, just to make sure the house worked correctly. So yeah. we really have to get a mechanical engineer involved. But for most yeah. houses, maybe the most structural. So it's a little you know not too difficult. But these are the guys who are going to tell us, well, we can't add a second story to the house without right. it sinking into the ground. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and the city does require if you do anything out of the ordinary from just regular dimensional lumber, anything mm-hmm. that's got to be engineered, they want that engineer stamp on it. Yeah. yeah. Are you doing roof trusses versus just regular framing? Well, then you better have this engineer stamp. Yeah. Laminated beams. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Adding a second yeah. floor to an existing house, you better have a structural engineer sign off of it. Right. In fact, I remember one of the engineers saying, well, you could add a second floor, but it's going to sink. <laughs> And you'll have to reframe, reframe the entire floor on the first floor. Like all the floor joists on the first floor would have to be completely redone. Oh, good grief. Because it wasn't strong enough to support a second floor. Right. And I bet the existing piers only go down about six feet. So, yeah, you really don't want to try to stick something on top of it. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, when the original building was only designed to hold up one story and you try to stick a second story on it, mm -hmm. sometimes that doesn't work so well. Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> Not that people don't try. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> well, one of the things I think that Andrew asked us about, um, I actually had to go back and ask him, what does this mean? Because I didn't know. And it was tendering. I'm like, chicken tenders? <laughs> Tendering, we're paying cash. What's but is for us? It would be the equivalent to our bidding. What the bidding process is oh, for us. Okay. Um, and like we said, we like to try to get the contractor involved fairly early. So by the time we would get done with the construction documents, there really isn't any bidding left. You know, we know what this thing's going to cost. But for the projects that we've had to actually go out to bid, um, it can take three to four weeks now to get stuff back, and that's the first pass. Right, they've before got to we value engineer. Value yeah. engineer, or if you look at something like, why is the concrete three times what it's supposed to be? You need to go back and find out. Well, there's another two weeks down the road. Right, or sometimes you have to go back and revise engineering and mm -hmm. get that concrete number down. Yeah, because you just went through that with, mm -hmm. with the project. Actually, mm -hmm. down the street from my house. Yeah. Yeah, because they had a ton of concrete going on. Yeah, we had a lot of grade beams that were taller than they needed to be. They were, yeah. It was perfectly fine to step them down at certain places and, yeah. and reduce the amount of concrete. So it just took another kind of closer look at that and getting Holly involved and, and just kind of going, yeah, I think maybe we can tweak yeah, we that can a little bit. a little bit. <laughs> yeah, get the engineer out there and go, nah, let's maybe yeah. change and yeah. change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, for, typically for bidding, it's, we, like I said, we try to get as much up front as we can so we know for sure that we're one, we'll, that we're in budget. Or two, if we're going over budget, we know where we're going and... Is there something that the client absolutely has to have that's causing that? And if that is the case, then let's talk because, you know, what are you willing to give up otherwise? Or right. are you thinking, you know what, we'll go ahead and spend it because it's our last house. Right. Yeah, or, we're going to be here long enough to see the payout and be yeah. okay or the return on the investment. Or we know that mom and dad are going to have to move in with us and we need to have this separate area for them and so we'll just pay it. You know, well, and sometimes of... that discussion, I mean, we have that discussion really early on as far as budget goes, because mm -hmm. that, you know, we have to figure out pretty quickly where, you know, what level of quality are these people going to want to have? And then try to talk to them about is your budget matching up with what Reality. you want? <laughs> you know, your <laughs> scope of work is 300000 and you've got one seventy five to spend, and that's... Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we're not talking the same language here. Yeah. So, yeah, we have that conversation very early on. And um, and the cost of construction is just going up like mm -hmm. crazy right now. Yeah. I think just because everybody's busy and they can charge that. Right. But, right. but do you have champagne taste on a beer budget? Yes, thing? exactly. Yes, exactly. So, um, well, the other two things that Andrew's asking about. So we have site supervision and we have contracts. Contracts, I'm not sure what to tell you about that other than, yes, we have them. <laughs> yeah, well, um, so in, in the United States, we have the American Institute of Architects, which is our professional organization, and they have a whole series of contract templates that typically that's our starting point or our mm -hmm. point of reference for contracts. So they have a contract for between the client and the, uh, between the owner and the architect, and then between the owner and the Contractor, contractor and then with every other consultant that you can think of there's you know mm -hmm. i don't know how many contracts there are but anyway so that's sort of our starting point of of what language needs to be in there and what sort of you know pieces to cover your rear end legally mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff so we will have a the architect and the owner will have a direct 
contract contractual relationship uh, contract between them and mm-hmm. then typically the owner and the contractor will have their own agreement and most likely I mean I don't know that we have ever had an exception to this rule but we typically do not have a contract between the architect and the contract oh never so never. yeah so there's a um, and that's on purpose because we want to stay independent of that contractor. We don't want to have we any have to conflicts of interest. So yeah. we are the advocate for the owner. And then the owner is paying the contractor to carry out the design work that we produced. Right. So then, um, so as far as contracts go, that we help review the contracts that the the contractor wants the owner to sign. But we are not actually a party to that contract. Right. I hope that's not too overly overly explained or technical. But. Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, and the other thing, too, is the challenge for us because we do our small, you know, typically small firms. You're doing one-off houses. You're not, you know, 30 people or 50 people or 100 people. Um, is that the contracts that, you know, our organization presents to us are too burdensome. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of language in Yeah, there. and so what, what we've had to do in the past, and we've done in the past and we still do, is um, we have our attorney go through and write us a contract based on the organization contracts so that we have our own template to go by. So we, you know, 11, I think it was the last time was 11 pages of boilerplate that would typically you know, cover all the things that we cover in the national organization contract but not be that burden of I, I, sometimes just getting through the contract, the, the national contract itself is... Yeah, they're they're very wordy and confusing, and um, I mean they're not confusing if you know what you're reading. But still, if you're a person who's working with an architect for the first time and you've not ever mm-hmm. been exposed to all this language, it's it can be very overwhelming. Right. So right. Um, yeah, so we kind of simplified and covered our bases where we needed to, but hopefully yeah. it's a little bit easier to digest. Right. Well, and in, our, in, in those contracts is where we get into site supervision because. Sometimes we'll have contracts where we are definitely, you know, we have to have, you know, we're going to be on this job site once a week. We're going to do job meetings. This is just how it's going to go. Contractor knows it, understands it. The homeowner is in agreement with it. And there's sometimes where our site supervision is on an as-needed basis. You know, we know the contractor well, the contractor well enough. They've been involved in the process from the beginning. They shouldn't be coming to us and we shouldn't show up at the job site and go, well, why is that wall there? Because, you know, they've seen it. Um, so we'll go out on this, on an as-needed basis, the client calling us or the contractor saying, hey, come look at this. It doesn't look right. And that's where that's written into really is in the contract itself. Yeah, so, so most of the time we'll do that on an hourly basis, just so, you know, so many dollars per hour. And then that way they can use this as much or as little as they need. Yeah, yeah. Because really there's no way to predict unless you are doing those weekly meetings um, there's not a really good way to predict how much time you're going to have to devote to mm-hmm. being on the site or dealing with questions or whatever during construction. Sure. Well, you know, and, and very different from one-off to renovation because renovation, you're more apt to run into something you didn't know. But one-off, it's a little easier because, you know, you're starting from scratch and you, know, you can get it done and not have to, you know, wonder, oh, oh, great, they put a door there. Why was there a door there originally? We never had, you know, or... You open up the wall and suddenly there's still light switches and someone buried somewhere and they're still hot. So Yes. You know. <laughs> well, in fact, I had a project that's still under construction right now and we were going to put a nice big pair of uh, French doors in, um, pocket French doors. 
uh, with glass in between the hearth room and the living room and to open it up. And the contractor took the drywall off on the one side and discovered an entire huge plumbing stack that was coming straight down from the second floor, right where we wanted to put our, our pocket doors. And so uh, we were able to slide the opening over and sort of forget the pocket door part and just do a cased opening, you mm. know, and still accomplish the connecting the two rooms. But it was like, oh, well, look at that. <laughs> we didn't know that was in the wall because it was just one big solid wall before. And there's today's surprise. Right, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, hopefully you don't have too many of those surprises, but definitely in renovation we run into stuff like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. So you have to be ready to change it up, be flexible. Yeah. Hopefully your client is too. <laughs> <laughs> Why is the door not where it's supposed to be? Don't, 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 don't ask. Don't ask. Hey, don't. Yeah. Because yeah. you didn't want to pay the $4,000 it would take to move all that plumbing. <laughs> it's not worth it. All right. Great. Right. Okay. Well, I think we made it through Andrew's list. I hope so. We probably forgot something. Who knows? Uh, Andrew, if we did, you can always email us. We'll answer best way as we'll best we can. We'll do a part two. Or we'll do a part two. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it was interesting to be interesting to, to hear what's, I mean, especially the, stat, the, the regulatory, the statutory approval part. I mean, you know, we know what we go through, but from your end, is there, you know, is there a lot of stuff you're doing up front, especially if you're doing historic stuff? Mm-hmm, which you know, is that they do. You're, you're, you're doing that. Is there a lot that has to happen at the very beginning to get approval? Because for us, I mean, we're still in the same same boat. We don't have to get approval until we submit it. So, you know, we don't know if we've got it. We hope we have it correct and they're not going to flag us for something, but, you know, it's entirely possible. Right. So, yeah. Well, so this podcast marks uh, the one month um, since Larry officially left HPD. A little one month. Yeah. Well, yeah, a few days passed. But mm-hmm. so, how's it been? Um, You're busy, I think. Busy-ish. Uh, <laughs> you know, just um, it's just, weird. Just it's weird to be in a different place. Weird to be in a different place, and and trying to get you know. I keep thinking of things like you know. Yesterday, I was like. I need file folders and I need rubber bands and paper clips and I need something else and I need something else. I'm like, okay, let's run to the home, you know, to the office depot and run and grab that. Okay. Oh, you know, I really need a file rack. Okay, let's run it. You know, I just keep thinking of these things that I need and I'm like, yeah, I, it's, just, te- it's, it's tedious. tedious yeah. You know, I, I finally went home last night and I looked at, looked at the home office and thought, okay, realistically, <laughs> of the things that are stacked here on this desk, what am I likely to use if I'm working from home? And if I wasn't going to use it working from home, it went into a bag and it came to the office. Oh, okay. So, you know, if I have a little sticky notes and, you know, extra pencils and pens and things like that, um, you know, um, I just hadn't thought about it. Yeah, it's funny what you realize you need in the moment you need it. Like I was telling Larry, I was trying to answer the phone at his old desk in the office and somehow the pencil cup had disappeared. There was literally nothing to write with yeah, on had, his entire desk. And I had three of them. <laughs> I, I, I had I had my wood pencil cup do? that I'd had for like you know I've had for like ten or twelve years now, and then I had two coffee cups full of pens and pencils. Yeah, somehow we accumulate many pens yeah, and pencils. Yeah, uh, who knows? So only between all the product reps and you know right. the networking groups we were going to, everybody hands out pens, right. promotional pens. Um, and I'm like, well, I didn't take the coffee cups with me. I don't know. They should have been left. I know. There. I'm like sitting there with this person on the phone looking for a pen going, damn it, Larry stole the pens. 
God bless America. Where are the damn day? I was I was very flustered right in that moment. <laughs> well, thank God for the sorry to, sorry that I thought ill of you over pens. Oh, no, but... that's fine. <laughs> I Could had to, worse. I know. I had to solve this mystery of where are the pins. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I think we'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but it's that in that moment you're like, oh, I don't know how many. Okay. <laughs> you know, where did I put this? I I had to had to. I went to James. I'm like, we have a clipboard, right? I know we've got a clipboard somewhere <laughs> in the house. I can't find a clipboard in the house, and I I swear I've got one with me somewhere, but I can't find it. And then I was going through something here. You know, my desk, and I'm like, well, there it is. Of course. You know, I'm like. <sighs> yeah, I know. You get so used to your stacks and your places this where things yeah. automatically are. And then when you have to upend, well, it's when you, like, when you move into a new house. Sure, sure. It takes you months to figure out where yeah. you put stuff or where, oh, yeah. where you're naturally going to well, want to put stuff. Well, in all fairness, <laughs> I still can't tell you where everything is in the kitchen. Oh, James, in your new James, kitchen, yeah. because yeah. James unpacked it, and he knows where it oh, is, geez. and I have no, no idea. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, everything, uh -huh. but, uh. Anyway, so yeah, um, getting settled and figuring out what's what's going on. What's next? What's next? Good. What's next is having to go out to, in this 106 degree heat, go out to a client's house and measure part of the exterior and stuff and get all sweaty and gross. I'm like, I told James, I'm like, go out to the clients at like about 1.30 and expect me to be home early because I'm going to be a stinky hot mess. <laughs> And I'm going to head off to shower. Clear the path, path to the shower. Oh, gross. So, yeah. Ugh. So, it'll be fun. But, anyway. Uh, well, Andrew, thank you for your for your email and for your questions. And everybody else, you know, if there's something you want to hear us uh, talk about, by all means, you know, let us know. And we'll put that on the list and see where we go. And uh, we're always, you know, always up for new ideas. So, just Absolutely. let us know. But, anyway. Um, hope everyone's having a great summer. It's almost over. Yes. It's so close. And I'm heading up to Indiana yeah. next week. I'll have I'll have fun things to report, I'm sure. We're going mm -hmm. to go visit my in-laws and uh, the old farmhouse, over 100 years old farmhouse that they renovated. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. They, they've been in it now a couple of years. And um, the most famous part of it is the attic because it's this giant walk-up attic and my, my seven-year-old absolutely looks forward to going there and loves it because it all my my mother-in-law has saved all the toys from all four boys as oh, they were wow. growing up and she's meticulously organized them and so it's this this childhood wonderland of all these old toys that of course you know kids these days probably can't even get their hands on yeah. and so she's you know nothing terribly collectible but just you know old beat up well-loved toys so anyway that'll be a fun part of of um this trip is to, you know, have him be occupied in the attic. Just just go. Just go to the attic. Just, just go to the attic. Hang out there. Yes, and then, Grandma's attic. Yeah. Then in a few more weeks, I head to New Orleans, for which there will not be any stories coming back. Oh. Uh, <laughs> You're um, by probably by contract required to leave them all in the yeah, border. Probably, right? yeah. When probably probably when we cross over into Texas, we just leave them, leave them there and just uh, nobody knows. Much less like Las Vegas, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, well, we hope everyone's having a great summer and we'll talk to you guys again in a couple of weeks. I know. I can't believe we're almost at back to school time. I know. Yikes. Yikes. So all well. right. Take it easy. Talk to everyone later. Stay cool. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.